fantastic uh, Sunday last week um, when we baptized 18 people, and um, it was just fantastic to uh, uh, see and hear so many testimonies of lives that have been changed by Jesus. And, uh, you know, that's why we're here today, because we believe that the Lord just loves to touch His people. And um, uh, just uh, great testimonies. We'll uh, um, kind of produce some of them later on, the, on DVD and all that kind of stuff for those of you who are done. But it was just a great occasion. So thank you so much. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 52. Jeremiah chapter 52 and verse 31. It should come up on the screen, I think. <clears throat> says this, In the 37th year of the exile of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, in the year Awel Marduk became king of Babylon, on the 25th day of the 12th month, he released Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and freed him from prison. He spoke kindly to him and gave him a seat of honor higher than those of the other kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiakim put aside his prison clothes and for the rest of his life ate regularly at the king's table. Day by day, the king of Babylon gave Jehoiakim a regular allowance as long as he lived till the day of his death. Wow. Amen. Just an amazing passage. Funny little passage right at the end of Jeremiah. I don't know how many times you've read Jeremiah, but I've read Jeremiah loads. And it never really stood out to me, but I read it probably just to the end, towards the end of last year. And this scripture just really snapped out at me. And maybe it was because I've been watching something on the news. And it was a, um, it was a businessman, a kind of businessman who was uh, set up a, his business specifically for people who had, uh, had uh, troubled backgrounds. So they were coming in from all kinds of, maybe from prison, maybe from uh, difficult home life, difficult uh, addiction life situations. And uh, he said something that caught my attention. He just said, these people needed something different. They needed a different response to them if they were going to make it. And I just thought, wow, isn't that amazing? And when I read this passage, I just thought, hey, this is a different response. It's an amazing story just of uh, Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim was the king of Israel, and um, he was in post for three months and ten days. And then he was taken away as a captive to Babylon, where he was in prison for 37 years. I mean, that isn't a great ratio, is it? Three months of living at large, 37 years of being a prisoner in a foreign land. Wow, what an amazing thing. Three months of being the king, of being able to make the decisions, of being able to say, well, this is what we'll do, and living in the palace and having the best of everything. 37 years of being in the dungeon of the palace. What an amazing thing. And then it says, a new king came to the throne. I tell you, friends, it's an incredible picture of what God does for us. You know, uh, we could have been in the prison for years. Some of us have been in prison for longer than that, in, in the prison of our lives, in the situations of our circumstances, and what's going on. And all of a sudden, a new king came to the throne. And a new king came, and, and this amazing guy, we don't know much about him, Awel Marduk, what a great name. I'm just going to call him the king, all right? I don't want to say Awel Marduk too many times this morning. But the new king came to the throne, and it says the new king had a different response to Jehoiakim, and everything changed for him. And I just want to talk a little bit about that because that's what happens when we come to faith in Christ. God has a different response to us. Hallelujah. God treats us differently to our sins and to the things that we deserve. And all of a sudden, life starts to change because God is starting to work in us and through us. The Bible says that he doesn't treat us as our sins 
deserve. Anybody glad about that in the house today? He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. He doesn't treat us like we've earned. He doesn't treat us like we treat others even. He treats us in a different way. Wow, what an amazing truth. And so I want to try and unpack this this morning. Look at this different life that the king gave to Jehoiakim. Firstly, it says this, he set him free. Amen. It's okay to get excited in church this morning, okay? It's okay to get a bit wild. I'm fed up a boring church, aren't you? I like it when we get a bit wild. Well, there's a bit of expression in the house. He set him free. And it's an amazing thing. He set him free. 37 years a prisoner. 37 years locked away. 37 years ignored and, and neglected. And all of a sudden, this gift of life came to him. And no, it was a gift. The king decided to set this other guy free. He hadn't done anything. He couldn't deserve it. He couldn't change his circumstances. He was powerless to come out of the slavery that he was in and the imprisonment that surrounded his life. But the king worked to set him free. Friends, I want you to know the king is working to keep you free today. The king is working to bring you into freedom. doesn't matter where you came from. doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter what situation is holding your life. It doesn't matter whether you think that you've got everything together or whether you think nothing is together. God has come to set you free today. And so we can live in the abundance of it. It was a precious gift. And Jesus has come to set us free from the things that would imprison us. You know, it's amazing what tries to imprison us, isn't it? You know, sometimes we uh, all look on church on Sunday morning, we all look great and godly and free. But actually, it doesn't take long for the mentality of slavery to overcome us. I wonder if anybody felt fear in their life this week creeping up on you. I wonder if anybody felt shame creeping up in your life. I wonder if anybody felt guilt that comes from doing something wrong. I wonder if anybody felt on all these things that surround our lives that would seek to enslave us. You see, because the Bible uh, uh, teaches us that God uh, uh, wants to set us free, but we live in the tension of knowing that we have done stuff that, that makes us prisoners. Remember hearing somebody say once, the devil doesn't need to defeat you, he just needs to contain you. Because containment is a prison. It's a prison. And if he can put you in a prison in your mind and in your spirit and in your attitudes, then all of a sudden you stay in a prison and it's hard because everybody else seems free. Have you ever noticed when you're in a prison, everybody else seems to be free? Have you noticed? When you're feeling fear, everybody else seems to be happy and there's no fear. When you're feeling pushed back and restrained, when you haven't got any resources, when you're fearful, everybody else seems to be cheerful. And somewhere in your heart you start to go, ooh. Because you get the prisoner mentality. The prisoner mentality is everybody else has it better than me. And Jesus came to set us free. And this king reached out to him. He said he released him and freed him from prison. See, the Bible says that Jesus has freed us from those things. Galatians 5 verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by yoke of slavery. You see, the truth is, friends, we need to live in the freedom that Jesus has given us. We need to call ourselves free. We need to remind ourselves that we're free. We need to remind ourselves that we're free to make decisions. And when we make them wrongly, we need to declare, actually, Lord, I need to make that right decision now, not the wrong one. Do you ever blame anybody else for your bad decisions? I do all the time. Usually my church. (laughs) They made me do it. See, it's easy, isn't it? But actually, we have to then say, no, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Jesus came to set us free. Second thing he did, which I really love, it says, he spoke kindly to him. Wow. What an amazing picture of the goodness of God. 
Can you imagine being a prisoner for 37 years, stuck in the palace dungeon? Not a kind word to hear. Just, just the abuse of the jail guards. Just, just the neglect. Just the harsh words. Just the minimum communication. Sit over there. Be quiet. Shut up. Don't cause us trouble. The negative things that come into our lives. Friends, so much negativity is spoken over people in this world. So much of our communication is negative. And all of a sudden, Jehoiakim found himself listening to the king. And the king was speaking kindly to him. And saying to him, you know, Jehoiakim, I've got a different plan for you, mate. I don't know why you've been in prison for 37 years, but today you're out. Today I'm restoring you. Today I have a future for you. Today I want you to reach every potential that you have. See, that is what the kingdom of God is all about. God doesn't speak negatively to us. God speaks kindly to us. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think, sometimes I get afraid of coming to God because I know I've blown it. And I'm expecting God to go, well, I knew you'd come crawling back. With your miserable face. <laughs> don't we ever get like that? Because sometimes people speak like that, don't they? Sometimes people love to tell us when we've got it wrong. Hello? Or is it just pastors? People love to say to us, you know what? You jolly... You know, it comes out of us, doesn't it? <laughs> Come on, we all know. But you see, the king brought Jehoiakim, 37 years, a captive... And he spoke kindly to him. I want you to know, somebody in here today, God wants to speak kindly to you. He wants to say to you, listen, I I know your past, but I'm not so much bothered about your past. I'm bothered about your future. I, I, I want you to understand my great love for you. I want you to know that I have created you wonderfully and that there's power in you to do amazing things. See, that's the kindness of God. He speaks kindly to him. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. You know, sometimes that's all we need, isn't it? That's all we need is a kind word, isn't it? Sometimes it's the last thing we do. But you know, I love to be among people who have kind words to say. Who don't just talk about, we were in a leadership thing this week and they were just talking, one of them was talking about, I can't remember the context he did it in, but he says, we work on the basis of two stars and a wish. I thought, what? He says, when we give people feedback, we talk about two stars, two things they've done that are really good, and then a wish that we could give them that they could improve on. And I thought, isn't that lovely? I'm never that thoughtful, do you know what I mean? But what he was saying is, we try and speak kindly to people even when we need them to improve. You know, because we all need to improve, don't we? It's funny how some people speak, you know, the Bible says speak the truth in love. Some people speak the truth like it's a big brick to bash somebody over the head with. Do you know what I mean? I remember when I first went to the doctors when I moved to Derby, I went in for my examination, my checkup, you know. And after the examination, the doctor looked at me and said, Mr. Ayling, you are going to die. And I went, well, we're all going to die, aren't we? You're going to die pretty quickly, Mr. Doctor. (laughs) If you carry on like this. Then he said to me, "Um, you know, years ago, you'd have been eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. So you're okay, do you know what I mean? I'm like, we're getting into truth I don't need to hear now. What do you mean? (laughs) See, you know, the truth is it's easy to speak unkindly. I want you to think about how you speak. You see, because the Lord speaks kindly to us. Here's the deal. The Lord speaks kindly to us, even when we speak unkindly to other people. He might correct us, but he speaks kindly. He speaks kindly to us when we've blown it, when we're totally, totally, totally guilty of sin. He speaks kindly to us. Remember the woman brought before him, uh, 
caught in the act of adultery. She wasn't just accused, she was caught. It was, she was guilty. Everybody knew it. She knew it. Everybody knew it. They were all ready to stone her. And then she, he just said to her, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. He spoke kindly about this woman. Everybody left. See, it's easy to judge someone else until you have to judge yourself by the same standard. And Jesus looked at this woman and said, woman, where are your accusers? He said, they've gone. She said, I don't condemn you. Don't leave a life of sin. See, sometimes the only words we need to hear is, I don't condemn you. And Jesus speaks to this woman kindly with words of love and words of affection, of affirmation. Prophet Hosea said, the Lord is going to speak to uh, her and lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. I love it when God speaks tenderly to me because he catches me out. Because sometimes I'm, I'm just trying to get ready to have an argument with the Lord and explain why I am weak and selfish and mean-spirited sometimes. <laughs> Most Sunday afternoons, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and the Lord comes, and I, I'm trying to defend myself, and he speaks gently, and he never actually treats me. Like my sins are over. You know, we used to have, when we were young, we used to have these traveling evangelists who came around. I don't know if you knew about them, but, you know, they used to come and they would be words of knowledge and prophecy people. And they would stand on the stage and they would look very intensely out of the congregation. And they would say, you there with the check shirt on. And most of the church started to freak out right then. Do you know what I mean? And I was always expecting them, you know, to have those prophetic revelation. The Lord saw you and knew you. And I would sit at the back and think, this is a bit like mind reading, isn't it? And I'd try and think, brick wall, brick wall, brick wall. (laughs) Because, you know, that was the only way I could cope. I'm thinking, they're about to expose my sin. But, you know, whenever they said, you, you know, I just want to, they always said to me, God loves you. They always said, God sees the potential in you. God has a plan for your life. Not one of them said, you're a dirty sinner, aren't you? I tell you what, friends, you don't have to be a prophet to know that here today. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What you need to be is someone who speaks kindly to people. Because that's how the Lord speaks to us. He brings grace into our lives and speaks to us. And Jehoiakim, 37 years in prison, he comes out and the king speaks kindness over him and says, you know what? It might have been like that before, but it's all changing today. I have a plan for you. And he speaks over our lives. Thirdly, it says he restored him. Listen to this. It says he gave him a seat of honor higher than those of the other kings. Wow, isn't that amazing? He doesn't just restore him to the place of the other kings. He gave him a seat higher than the other kings. He says, you know what? I'm not even going to put you at that part of the table with all those guys. I'm bringing you right up here beside me in a higher honor place. Wow. Come on, friends. What an amazing picture of what God does for us. He doesn't just bring us and say, well, you can be servants. Remember the story of the prodigal son running back to his father. Please, father, make me like one of your servants. And the father said, no, you're my son. We're going to have a party and bring you into it because you're my son. I want to honor you because I'm restoring you to everything you have as a son or a daughter of God. And listen, the king comes to us today and he says, listen, I'm in the business of restoring you and raising you up way past the place of the other kings into the place of being my son and my daughter. And he lifts us up into his presence. The Bible said, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud of mire. He set, a feet, he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Friends, that would be good enough, wouldn't it? Then he says this, he put a new song in my mouth. A hymn of praise to God. 
Hallelujah. Oh, I could crush a grape today. Can you? Isn't it great to be in the house? Isn't it wonderful to have faith? Isn't it amazing to understand? He's restored us. He lifts us up. He lifts us up past all the other religions and all the other belief systems and all the other things that says you have to earn honor to be in God's house. And he says, no, they don't have to. They're my children. They're coming right into my presence. Oh, hallelujah. He restored him. He put some life in him. The Bible says, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace. Man, what an abundant thing we have. We can come anytime we like with confidence. With confidence to find mercy and to receive grace. Wow. What an incredible God we have. Fourthly, he says, he ate with him. Oh, so you're getting even better, isn't it? So Jehoiakim set aside his prison clothes and for the rest of his life, he ate regularly at the king's table. Come on, that's an amazing thing, isn't it? How many of you know God has called us to eat with him? See, it's this picture that the Bible gives us that we eat with him. It's this place of intimacy. It's this place of life. It's this place of recognition and relationship. God wants us to eat with him. God wants us to rest with him. In Revelation, Jesus says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody will open the door to me, I will come in and eat with him. He's saying to the church, he's not talking to people who are not saved. He's saying, if only the church would open up their hearts to me. I'm going, I want to come and eat with you because it's in that eating together. It's in that intimacy together. It's in that fellowship together that life starts to flow. And all of a sudden, Jehoiakim, who'd been eating prison food for the last 37 years, found himself right in the middle of the place, on the palace, on the high table, eating the king's food. What an amazing picture of grace, friends. I don't know where you feel you are today. I don't know where you feel you are with God. I don't know what's going on in your head. I don't know what deals you're doing with God to try and make it through. But I know that God wants to bring you from the prison into the table today. That you might feast with him. That you might know who he is and what he's done. Jesus, the psalmist said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my foes. Friends, even in the midst of your foes, you can eat with the Lord. Even surrounded by people who criticize you, you can eat with the Lord. Even surrounded by people who've rejected you and hurt you, you can eat with the Lord. Even though everybody else is against you, the Lord is for you and he's strong enough to set a table for you where you can sit down and eat when the hordes of hell are trying to take it away. That's what God does. It's not bad, is it? Can you imagine in Lord of the Rings when the... uh, you know, the orcs are coming and everybody's there. Can you imagine them just sitting at a table and eating? And a force field just being set around them. They bounce off. Jolly ogre with his big axe and his funny face. Just can't get through. Why? Because the people are sitting in the peace of God. If you haven't watched Lord of the Rings, you need to treat yourself. <laughs> Come on, it's an incredible picture. Friends, calls us to eat with him in the midst of our foes. Some of you are in the, surrounded by all kinds of things. You're going, oh God, oh God, change this, change this. I want to tell you, God's more concerned about changing you than he is this. He's more concerned about you coming into a place of safety in him. Because when you're in a place of safety in him, when you're eating in the king's presence, then everything else starts to take on a different view. Because you find yourself saying, actually, I'm welcome at the palace of the king. I'm welcome here. And then finally it says, he provided for him. He provided for him. 
Jeremiah 52, 34. Day by day, the king of Babylon gave Jehoiakim a regular allowance as long as he lived to the day of his life. Come on. He wants to say, I'll have one of those. Gee, Jesus. He provided a daily allowance for him for the rest of his life. It says, as long as he lived, the king said, you can be provided for out of everything I have. How many of you know that Jesus has said he'll never leave us or forsake us and he'll provide for us every day of our lives? He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. And so therefore, that same commitment that the king brought to Jehoiakim, the king of kings, brings to our lives. I'll provide for you. Isn't that amazing? Jesus said, this is the promise from the king of kings. I've come that may have life and have it to the full. It's a great story. An amazing picture about what God has done. He has set us free. He speaks kindly to us. He has restored our lives. He prepares a table for us. He provides for us. Hallelujah. But that's not what I want to preach on today. (laughs) That's just my introduction. (laughs) That's just the throwaway goodness of God, friends. That's just something to get excited about on a miserable Sunday morning. The table of the king. Because this is what I want to speak about today. So Jehoiakim put aside his prison clothes. Come on, church. There's a line in there. You see, here's the truth, friends. You can't eat and be happy at the king's table when you're still sitting in prison clothes. You can't eat and feel that the provision of God is over your life when all you can see of yourself is I'm a prisoner. Something had to happen between the dungeon and the palace. He had to take off his prison clothes and say, you know what? I'm going to see myself differently. And all of a sudden, the king's men came to him and they said, let's take that off. Here's some fine robes again. Put them on because you are going to the house of the king. Do you remember what the prodigal's father did when he came? He brought the best robe and he put it on him. And he put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. And he said, you are not a servant of mine, you're a son of mine. Coming to the table. And Jehoiakim, something happened in him. I don't know whether they would let him come in or not, but I just think there's something powerful in that. He said, he put aside his prison clothes. Listen, there are many people who come to Jesus and they they believe that maybe the table can be a place where they can come, but the prison clothes still clothe their mind and their spirit and their heart. And it's like, oh, you know... I can't enter in the same way these people can because I've got this in my life. And unless that, gets, unless that goes away, I, 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 unless something happens to change that, I can't deal with it. Friends, you're out of the prison. Take the clothes off. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and be free in what Jesus has made you be. And all of a sudden, Jehoiakim realizes that he, he's going somewhere that he hasn't been. He was used to the palace. He was used to it 37 years before. But something in him ha- has held him back. He's just been used to being a slave. And so his prison clothes have to come on. Have to come off so that he can put on the future. Jehoiakim took off his prison clothes so he could live in the abundance that the king provided for him. What are you wearing today, church? See, first of all, he had to change his attitude. Had to change his identity, sorry. See, there's something different about when you dress up, isn't there? You put on different clothes. 
came to a wedding yesterday of Andrew and Linda. We put on different clothes because it's an occasion. And your identity changes when you put on different clothes. You, you feel different. You look different. You act different. And, and his identity changed. He had to say, you know what? I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer broken. I'm no longer without choices. I'm no longer contained in the effects of my consequences and the disasters of them. I'm no longer at the whim of every force of hell. No, I'm a child of God. Therefore, I'm free. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has gone. The new has here, is here. As followers of Christ, we have to have a new identity. You have to think of yourself differently, friends. See, there is a struggle in your mind about how you think about yourself. We used to sing the old song, Only a Sinner Saved by Grace. And that is absolutely true, friends. We are only sinners saved by grace, but we've also been brought into the banqueting table and we've been given new clothes to wear. And so therefore we have to say, you know what? And for th- You know, I, I believe every day Jehoiakim sat down at that table, uh, he, knew, he knew in his heart where he'd come from. He knew he was living on the grace of the king. What a wonderful place to live. Friends, you won't want to live on my grace because my grace runs out fairly quickly. I don't think I'd want to live on your grace. Or maybe it'd be better than mine. But when you live on the grace of the king, you can change your whole thinking about your life because the king is going to provide for you every day. And so he clothed himself in different clothes. He had to change his thinking next time. He had to, had to think differently. It says in Hebrews, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. There's this whole sense of thinking differently. I think I told the story a little while ago, but we were in a, a conference a few years ago, and the speaker was talking about how him and his wife won a honeymoon to Mauritius. Anybody remember the story? It's an amazing story. And... Uh, they looked at the, at the, looked at the, it was the honeymoon, they were engaged, it was the honeymoon in Mauritius for like a, a week it was, and they phoned up the hotel they were going, it was a luxury hotel, everything was amazing, but they had bed and breakfast at this hotel, so what they decided to do, because they phoned the hotel and asked how much a meal in the restaurant cost, and it was a hundred pounds, so they said, well, we can't afford a hundred pounds, so what we're going to do is we're just going to take, <laughs> take our own supplies with us, so they took cereal bars and pot noodles, so every morning they got up and they went in for breakfast and they ate everything they could possibly eat. And then for lunchtime, they had cereal bars. And for evening, they had pot noodles for a week. And they used to sit on the veranda outside their house, you know, on stilts in the water, luxury accommodation, having pot noodles, celebrating their honeymoon. And when at the end of the week, it came to pay the bar bill, they went into the bar, into the restaurant, and said, oh, we've come to settle our bar bill. And the man said to him, what do you mean? He said, oh, we've come to settle our bar bill. We've been drinking this weekend, you know, had a few drinks, and, you know, had gone out and do We've just come to settle. And the man went, oh, you don't understand. It's all-inclusive. Everything is yours. You could eat anything from any restaurant and any, any, any of the resorts. It's all inclusive. Everything's covered. They looked at each other. And I'm sure the man blamed the woman. Just the way it would go. You didn't read the small print. See, their thinking had been fashioned by what they appeared to and by the conditions of their lives that have brought them to that point so far. And so their thinking was, was wrong. See, many people think wrongly about what God wants. Many people think wrongly about what God has for them, wants to do for them. 
remember talking to a guy in my first church, and I asked him how he felt about God, and he said, if I want to do something, God won't let me. And if I don't want to do it, God will make me. He was a happy Christian. <laughs> Come on. I'm like, really? Is that it? Is that what we feel? God's so mean and spirited. Actually, you know what happens is, you know, come on. All of a sudden he had to think differently. Because now he could walk up to the table and sit down. And he could say, oh, I'll have a little bit of that. I'll have a bit of that. Before he was waiting for the whip to hit. Don't you think too much of yourself. But now he's sitting at the king's table and he's thinking, I can live off the grace of the king here. He didn't take the grace of the king for granted, but he understood that he was welcome. See, he's welcome. When I go to my mum's house, it's a funny thing, you know, I walk in, you know, I give her a peck on the cheek, I open the fridge. (laughs) Just to see if by chance she's been cooking anything that I could possibly eat. I'm not hungry, I don't need it, just I know that if it's there, she'll go, oh, have a bit. Whereas Julia would be saying, shut the fridge and walk away. <laughs> she wouldn't really say that. I'm going to get into trouble. Don't, nobody tell her I said that. Why? Because your thinking changes when you're at home. Your thinking changes when you know you're a child of God. You know you don't have to come. You know we don't have to convince God. We don't have to beat ourselves. We don't have to whip ourselves. We don't have to you know, say, well, I've prayed hard today, so God, maybe you'll answer our prayers. No, friends, that's not what prayer's about. Prayer's about us understanding God and understanding and living out of the freedom of being able to sit at his table. So that we could come and just say, Lord, I love you, and I just thank you that you've given me everything I need for life and godliness. Wow. It's mine. I don't, have to try and, I don't have to try and earn it today. I don't have to try and whip it up. I don't, have to try and be, I don't have to try and be more spiritual than Matthew. I mean, I went for a low bar there, everybody. Do you know what I mean? It was like, I don't want to go too high. <laughs> Come on. I, I don't have to try and compete. That's what I'm trying to say. Matthew knows I'm joking. You know, um, <laughs> he's way more spiritual than me, honestly. We all know that, don't we? So... It's, it, we don't have to try and do it. I can just enjoy it. This is a gift from the Lord. He seats me at his table. Friends, I never, I never cease to wonder that we don't have to come and try and twist God's arm to bless us. Sometimes all we have to do is ask. Because the Lord says you do not have because you do not ask. You do not ask because you don't think you're at the king's table. You think you're way, way outside in the courtyard trying to convince somebody to let you in close to the king's table. When actually there's a reserve seat just for you. We've got to change our thinking. We've got to change our identity. And there's something else we've got to change, but I've no idea what it is. We have to change our perspective. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Everything that he did, he did on the basis of the fact that the king had freed him and given him life. And friends, that's how we have to live as the people of God. Everything I do, I do on the basis that God has freed me and given me life. I'm not about what I can do. I'm not about what I'm trying to get. See, sometimes we have to surrender to the best purposes of God. So that, you see, the Bible says it, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things. See, you have to say, I'm going to live in the purposes of God. I'm not just going to bring my own purposes to the fore. I'm going to understand that God is the king of my life and I surrender to him. 
And out of his abundance, I will enjoy everything that he has to give me. Whereas, why would I try? See, why would you try and live out of your abundance? You see, there's too, much, too many people today who want to live out of their abundance. And they only want God to get involved when their abundance runs out. Hello? That abundance can be financial, it can be emotional, it can be spiritual, it can be physical, it can be material. But we try and live out of our abundance, and when it runs out, we say, oh God, please come and help us. Friends, the best way to live is out of the abundance of the king. And to take whatever abundance he pours into your life, and to live it, and to enjoy it. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, and all these things will be added to you. Why? Because they're not the focus of your life, they're the blessing of the king. And you can enter into the richness and the truth of what God has to give. I'm here to tell you today, God has a different response for us today. You might feel you're in a prison today. Jesus has come. He's made you free in Christ. He has kind words to say to you, words of love and hope. He wants to restore you to his presence. He has a table prepared for you even against in the midst of your foes, where you can know his provision and his deliverance because he's made a way for you. You've got to receive his gift of life. Come out of the prison. Come to the table. Brothers and sisters, I want to say to you today, put aside the prison clothes. Now, I know many of us are going to go, oh, I haven't got any prison clothes, not me. Free as a bird. Because that's our first reaction to stuff like this. It's our first kind of like, you know, oh yeah, no, I'm okay. And you might well be okay. What I want to say is, getting rid of the prison clothes is about enjoying everything that God has for you. It's about changing the way you think about yourself. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. We live in the victory of that. We live in the truth of it. It's about changing your perspective, about clothing yourself in Christ and saying, you know what, even though this isn't all uh, going the way I want to go, I'm going to trust that the Lord has provided for me and I'm going to live out of that overflow in my life every day until the day I die. It's about changing your thinking. It's about finding confidence in his love and his favor towards you. Set aside the prison clothes. Let's pray today. Just our heads are bowed. And our eyes are closed. Just want to give an opportunity today for those of you who know you're in prison. I mean, I could get theological about it. The Bible says we've all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God, and are separated from God by our sin. Hey, we all know that. We know that we're not good enough to be in the presence of God, and that our sin has separated us from Him. But even maybe today, some of you are in prison of the things of this world, some of the stuff that you've been investing your life in that has actually trapped you. It could be addiction, it could be material, it could be something that you're ashamed of today. It might even be something that somebody else has done that's led you into a prison of, your, of maybe their making, but you're, you're choosing. The king wants to set you free today. Free from sin, free from guilt, free from fear. His kind words to say. His words are, I love you. I have a plan for your life. Will you believe in me and walk with me? He wants to restore you to his presence.
So before we go any further in this service this morning, I just want to give an opportunity. Maybe you're here today and you say, Dave, that you're preaching to me. I know that's where I'm at. I just want to pray over your life. So if that's you today saying, Dave, I want to be free from this prison I'm in today. Just want you, your heads about it. I just want you to slip up your hand. Is there anybody in the building this morning? Just wave at me and say, Dave, that's me. I need to get right with God. Bless you. Yeah. Thank you. Then I want to ask people here this morning, set aside the prison clothes. Some of you are going to have to walk away from some things today to live in the truth. You're going to have to let some things go so that you can sit at the table with the king. Set aside the prison clothes. It's a powerful word, friends. I know we've laughed a bit this morning, but it's just revelation. The king comes to free you. Set aside the prison clothes. If you need to set something aside today, if you need to remove it from your life and say, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to sit at your table. That's no longer something here. Friends, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I do think that God wants to, to change the way you think about it. I'm not really talking even about deep sin in your life this morning. I'm talking about attitudes, really. I think God is calling his people to have an attitude of being sons and daughters who are welcome at his table every time. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to work yourself up. You don't have to make yourself feel better than other people. Friends, you're just welcome to come because of who you are. And it's the attitude that says, I'm not good enough, that is the prison clothes today. So if you need to set aside that this morning, I just want you to stand to your feet. Come on, we're going to pray over it. We're going to release people. I know there are people here. We don't have to be prophetic about that. So if that's you, just stand where you are. I'm going to set this aside. It's not going to hold me any longer. I'm not going to live. Now that I've been set free, I'm not going to live in the chains of the past. I'm not going to live in the identity of, of, of who I was then. I'm going to live in the freedom and the, and the, the presence of God. Lord, your presence rests upon us this morning. Lord, we're just, Lord, it's a holy moment, Lord, because your word comes forth in power, Lord. And Lord, we stand before you, Lord, and we choose to set aside, Lord, the prison clothes. Lord, the old perspectives, Lord, the old way of thinking, Father. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that Lord, we don't need to do anything else to come into your presence than just be your children. That you welcome us, Lord, and you pour out your grace upon us. And so, Lord, we just receive your love today. (laughs) We receive your grace today. Lord, we come to the feast today. Lord, and our heart rejoices in who you are and what you've done in us, Lord. Because you prepare a table for us. In the presence of my foes, Lord. And Lord, I just break off chains 
Lord, of condemnation today. Lord, I break off, uh, Lord, thoughts, Lord, of unworthiness, Lord. Lord, it's not about us being worthy. It's about the fact that you have called us to be your children. And so we run into your presence today. Lord, to enjoy everything you have for us. Amen. Would everybody stand, please? Come on. Band, come back.